lovely to be with you all here um, today and to have this opportunity just to share a little bit um, as we continue to think about this theme of camping at the source. If you have been with us over the past um, number of weeks, um, this has been our theme, camping at the source, the source being the presence of God, the camping being the things that we can do, um, the disciplines or the tools that we can put into our hand that helps us pitch our tent at that source as we seek to draw closer and spend more time in the presence of God. Phil looked at study, um, Dave looked at Sabbath last week, uh, Rick was unpacking a bit about simplicity and today I'm going to explore a little bit around the themes of silence and solitude. Now I don't know about you but silence and solitude are not words that I often associate with the month of December. Because December, well actually throughout the year they're not commonplace for me, but actually December particular, which is the busiest and noisiest month of the year in our household. In fact, this last week has been more about wailing and gnashing of teeth rather than um, silence and solitude. So I just want you to know and to take comfort that it's not just you and it's not just your family or your household because this season looks more like this in my life rather than this. Okay, um, so as we think about silence and solitude and this serene image that we see on the screen and maybe when you hear the words silence and solitude, your mind goes to maybe a monk or a nun, those people who totally take themselves away off to that far off place. Well, that's not really relevant for you, is it? But actually, the challenge this morning, or the today as we think about these things, and the call and invitation of Jesus, is how when, we're, when our lives are like this, in all the busyness and in all the demands, do we find those spaces and places of silence and solitude? How can we camp at the source how can we spend time with him in the midst of all the busyness and the demands that are upon us? Jesus says, come away with me. Let us go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. Come away with me. Let us go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. This verse in Mark comes on the back of the disciples having been sent out and they're now returning to Jesus and they're all full of the news of what has happened when they've been out ministering to people. There's a lot of things to make noise about. But also just the verse before this verse, it talks about how they were surrounded by so many people coming and going that they didn't actually have any time to eat. Have you ever had a day like that? We are surrounded by so many people coming and going that actually you didn't have time to eat. Well, it's in that place of chaos and busyness and noise, in that place 
that Jesus says, come away with me. Come away with me and let us go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me, get away with me and you will recover your life. Come to me, get away with me. You will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. So if you're sitting here this morning thinking silence and solitude is so far away from your experience, I want you to know that this message is for you today. This is for you because it's in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of all the noise externally and internally in our heads, that actually the invitation of Jesus is for you to come. And if you hear nothing else today, hear the invitation of Jesus to come in the place that you're in right now. So before we unpack these things a little bit further, about silence and solitude, I just want to say at the start that sometimes silence and solitude are not positive things. They're not good things. Solitude, the state of being alone or far off from others, can sometimes be a place of isolation and of deep loneliness. Solitude can be the result of perhaps soured relationships, a loss of a loved one, sickness, just difficult circumstances. And over a period of time, that place of solitude is not good. And silence, often when we think about silence, we think about the absence of sound. But silence can also be when someone or a group of people are prohibited or prevented from speaking. They don't have a voice in that particular situation or circumstance. In my work with the leprosy mission, time and time again, practically every day, I hear stories of people who are affected by leprosy, who are marginalized, who are poor, and they have no voice. Now, it's not because they don't have a physical voice. They do have a physical voice, but they're unable to speak out. They have been silenced. Silenced by structures and systems in society that don't recognize them or permit them to speak. Silenced by their communities and their families because they don't want to hear what they have to say. Because their leprosy, the condition in which they have, renders them worthless or without value. So as we talk this, today about, being, about silence and solitude and the really good things that can happen in using silence and solitude, I want you to know that today, if you're sitting here and you're in a difficult place of loneliness or isolation, or you're in a place where actually you've been silenced, I want you to know that this is a safe place. And we would love to hear from you today. As always, there'll be an opportunity to come at the end of the service for prayer. The team will be here and the staff team are here. We can't fix everything. 
We can't fix things, but actually we're here to listen to you because actually you're important and you're valuable and your voice is important. And so we want to listen to you and to pray with you and to be able to signpost you to others and to other organizations that may be able to help you in your particular situation. So it's important to know that, that sometimes silence and solitude is not always a good thing. But when it is a good thing, actually, it can be amazing as a tool in our hands to draw us closer to the presence of God. We read in the Gospels that Jesus often sought out lonely places and spaces to spend time with his Father. Now, his time here on earth was surrounded by people, surrounded by needs, relentless demands upon him. But yet, he was still able to intentionally, he chose to seek out places and spaces to spend time with his father. If Jesus had to do it, then we, how much more do we need to do it? You know those bracelets, the WWJD, what what would Jesus do? Often we think about that slogan in the context of maybe a difficult situation or something that maybe we're challenged by. Well, what would Jesus do in this situation? Actually, What we need to hear this morning is what would Jesus do is that he would seek out places and spaces to be with his father. And so as we think about following in the footsteps of Jesus, we need to think about how we will seek out those spaces and places too to be with our father. We live in a very busy world. I don't need to tell you that. It's probably your daily life. We've always had the loudness of life with us, but experts are saying that what is happening today in the world is very different from what has happened in any time of history up until this point. Across Europe, 450 million people, that's 65% of the population, live with noise levels that the World Health Organization have deemed to be hazardous to health. So it's not just that it's a bit noisy, but actually the level of noise that we're receiving on a daily basis is hazardous to our health. The emergency services, they have to have their sirens pitched at a certain level in order to cut through all the noise and the din that is around us all the time. Would you hear this? In 1912, those sirens were set at 96 decibels. In 1974, it increased to 114 decibels. In 2019, it was set at 123 decibels. The pressure of noise that is coming onto our ears every day is relentless. And I was just looking during the week actually, that noise-canceling products, you know those headphones that people get, are set to be 45.4 billion of pounds worth by the year 2030. There's so much noise that we're trying to buy products 
that actually cancel out the noise. But there are other types of noise. There's information noise all around us as more and more stuff competes for our attention. In 2019, research showed that there were 128 billion emails sent every day, every day, and that the average user receives 126 email messages per day. Is it any wonder I never get to the end of my inbox? Today, it's estimated that we take in five times as much information as we did in 1986. Five times as much. There's so much noise in our lives that when it is quiet, we think that something is wrong. When we're not doing something or responding to something, then we feel inadequate or are we missing out on something? When there is silence, we feel uncomfortable. Now, don't get me wrong, there's lots of benefits in having noise around and there's lots of benefits of digital content. But the thing that we have to note is as these noise levels are increasing and the information that we're getting bombarded with on a regular basis is expanding and expanding, our capacity to receive that information and process it actually isn't changing at all. It's not expanding. It's not increasing. Our ability to comprehend and respond to these things is finite. And therefore, what happens with the increase of these noise levels, the increase of emails and notifications and all of the noises around us, is that there's an increased expectation on all of us to be on, to be ready to respond. It's going into this fear of missing out. Is it any wonder we're living in a world with unprecedented levels of stress, anxiety, worry, and difficulty in concentrating? And Jesus says, come away with me. Let us go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. Come away with me. Whenever I was thinking about noise and silence during the week, my mind went to the story of Elijah who encounters God on the edge of the mountain. It's in 1 Kings 19, if you want to, to read that story for yourself. And God comes to Elijah. And there's a mighty wind, and there's an earthquake, and there's a fire. But God's not in the wind, or the earthquake, or the fire. God's in the still, small voice. Some translations have it, the sound of a low whisper. And so in the midst of all the noise in our world and the noise in our heads and all the things that are competing for our attention, what if God is speaking to us in a still small voice? What if he's speaking to us in the sound of a low whisper? Are we missing it? Are we missing it? So often in my life, I have prayed, 
God, if I need to know something, would you just let me know it, please? Um, Especially with the kids, you know, in and out all the time. There's so much going on. Actually, Lord, if I need to know something, would you put it in front of me? Would you make it really obvious so that I trip over it? That actually, I I I wouldn't miss it. But actually, I've been challenged recently. That actually, whilst God may interrupt my day, and he does at times, and he does cut through our plans and our days and our ways, actually, more often than not, he's speaking in the still, small voice. And so actually, the challenge isn't for me to sit and pray and go, God, just make it obvious. God's saying to me, Joanne, turn the noise down. Turn the noise down and get away with me so that you can hear what I'm saying to you, so that I can direct your attention to the things that you need to focus on. Because you see, we hear God's voice better when we turn down the noise and we remove ourselves from the distractions that are always around us. And that's why silence and solitude, whilst they might seem like grand words, are actually about turning the noise down. They're about taking yourself away from one place to another place and actually saying, I'm not going to be distracted by that. I'm going to lean in and hear the still, small voice. And Jesus says... Come away with me. Come away with me. Let us go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. Come away, get away, go alone to that place. It's an invitation from Jesus to silence and solitude, a place where we can find rest. And the word here in in this, this verse, it means a break, an intermission from work, from our efforts. But you see, getting away with Jesus isn't just about taking a rest as much as we all need one of those. Because actually the word in this verse isn't just about rest, it's about repositioning yourself and re-posturing yourself. It's about turning down the noise. It's about removing yourself and it's about repositioning and reposturing yourself as you look at the Father and you remember who he is. You turn down the dial on that noise, but you're turning up the dial as you focus on him to remember who he is and who he says you are. As his child. And that's why the discipline, the tool, whatever way you want to call it, of silence and solitude is so important. It's not just about a rest, it's about repositioning, it's about reposturing, it's about remembering who he is and who he says we are. Isaiah 30, 15 says, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. 
In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. Some translations have it in quietness and confidence is your strength, or in quietness and dependence is your strength. It's quite a familiar verse. You even see it on little postcards and greeting cards. In quietness and trust is your strength. But for me, it's a bit weird, actually, because whenever I think about strength, I don't think about quietness. Whenever I think about strength, I think about being strong in a situation. I think about the actions and the activities and the efforts that I have to do to be strong in that situation. But God's word says in quietness, in quietness and trust is your strength. The context of this verse is where Isaiah, a prophet, is rebuking God's people for their putting their trust in Egypt. They've been looking to Egypt and to Pharaoh for protection and provision um, against the Assyrian armies that have been attacking them. They've been seeking the counsel of Egypt. They've been seeking getting into the shadow of their protection. And Isaiah rebukes them and says, that's a stupid thing to do. It's pointless. It's not going to give you any advantage to do those things because you see, God's people had forgotten who they were. God's people had forgotten who he was. And in this verse then comes and it says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust, is your strength. Returning to God, that could be a returning from a place of disobedience, but it could simply be returning to his presence, returning to camp out at that source. Remembering who God is and trusting in his promises means rest. We don't have to strive for ourselves. We don't have to run about and work it all out. We don't have to defend, protect, provide continually. It's not about our activity, but it's about him. Because you see, our strength doesn't come from our activity and our efforts. Our strength comes from trusting in him and quietening our souls and our minds as we remember who he is. As, he, as we remember that he is faithful to his promises. So the discipline of silence and solitude is a tool in our hand as we turn one dial down and turn the other dial up to remind ourselves of who he is and who we are as his children, that his promises are faithful. So how do we do this? You know that it's important. You long to make it a reality. But what's the secret to make it happen? There's no magic to-do list. (laughs) Sorry if you're not deflated. (laughs) There's no magic to-do list. Very simply, you have to do it. You actually have to just do it. There's a great book, Be Still. It's a 24-7 book by Brian Heasley, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. 
And there's actually a box of them at the back. Um, and I would really encourage you, this is a real practical tool about um, camping at the source. It's a real practical tool around areas like silence and dealing with, with distractions and, and how to get into study in those moments and, and all of that. Um, all you need to do is throw a few pounds in the in the bucket there. And actually, if you don't have a few pounds, I'm sure Dave would be okay if I say you could just take it. <laughs> um, lift it, please. But the key is you have to do it. You have to choose it, firstly. You've got to choose it. If I want to go on holiday next year, or if I want to meet somebody for lunch this week, I choose it. I choose it. I posture myself, that's what I want to do. And then I put plans in place behind it in order for it to happen. I have to make the arrangements. That holiday next year isn't going to happen if I don't put the things in place. Dave said um, a few weeks ago about Sabbath that his Sabbath often depended on what happened the night before, on the arrangements that he made the night before in order to make the most of the Sabbath. And it's a bit like silence and solitude. If you want to make the most of the opportunity, you've got to put the plans in around it. And then you have to defend it with everything. Because you can bet your bottom dollar that as soon as you put the stake in the ground and you say, I'm going to do this, that things will go a bit crazy. And you'll have a tough day at work. And, you know, somebody will get sick or, or whatever. That's life. That's life. So you have to defend it with your life. And you have to go, actually, it's okay if the dishes don't get done. It's okay if that laundry still isn't folded. It's okay if I don't get that thing done or that email sent. It's okay. I've realized the things wait for you. There's no fairies, although my husband is a fairy and does tend to come behind me and do lots of wonderful things. Um, generally speaking, there are no fairies who come and do. And so all of those things wait for you. They do wait for you. For me, my daily rhythms have changed a bit in, in this season that we're in. I have, have noticed in, in the past few months that actually our house goes quieter at 10 o'clock in the evening. Now, I don't, I don't say quiet, I say quieter. Um, just with the rhythms of the kids and what's going on. And so actually, rather than having a longer time in the morning, I would normally just have a, a kind of 10 minutes first thing in the morning. At the end of the day, I actually have chosen that actually that's going to be my time. And so my prayer for you today is actually that you would see the rhythms that are happening in your household and actually where you could make the most of actually choosing a time to camp at the source. Now, in order for me to make the most of that, I've got to put arrangements in place during the day so that when 10 o'clock comes, actually, I can down tools. I can down tools and say, this is my time with Jesus. On a weekly basis, I try to get out for a walk for a couple of hours. Um, I don't particularly like it when people want to come with me. Um, however, if you do, that's okay. But actually, <laughs> it's because it's my time. 
I, I don't listen to music, I don't listen to podcasts. I know some people do that and that's a good thing for them. But for me, it's a time where actually I just want to think. I just want to be out in the fresh air and I just want the Lord to minister to me during that time. About two years ago, I chose to compress my working hours. And not everybody will be able to do that, but I was able to do that in order to create some space in my week. So I have four very long days, but on the fifth day, I choose space. And the Lord has really blessed me for doing that, but I still need to defend it because my natural tendency is to fill it. Oh yeah, I'll meet you for coffee. Oh yeah, I'll do that. Oh yeah, I'll do whatever. So I have to defend it. The Lord has to continually remind me, Joanne, that's my day, remember? you got to defend it. And about 10 years ago, um, just on the back of a, a course that I'd been doing, um, who were really encouraging silence and solitude and taking times for retreat, I started the practice of having an annual retreat um, for an overnight or certainly for a full day. And I, I've kept that going pretty much for the last 10 years. You would think that after 10 years, it would get easier. It doesn't. It doesn't get easier at all. And even when I went on one earlier this year, everything within me was shouting. There are other productive things that you can be doing with your time right now. And there was many productive things I could have been doing with my time, both at work and at home. Did I feel guilty? Absolutely. Did I feel like I was letting people down? Absolutely. But do you know what? The Lord says, come. And so my challenge to all of us is how can we create those spaces for silence and solitude? Because actually those are the places which fill us. Those are the places which are life-giving. Rick said last week um, that sometimes this camping at the source stuff, it feels luxurious. And that's the way I feel whenever I'm taking myself off, even for a walk or going for a cup of tea by myself. It feels luxurious, even decadent, but actually it's not luxurious or decadent, it's desperation. It's desperation because the noises are so loud and the demands are so high that I have to come to that place at the source. I got to turn one dial down and I got to turn the other dial up so that I can hear his song over me. So that I can hear that still small voice. And it's the same for you. And so as we finish up and as, as Johnny and Stevie come just now and play the last song for us. There are a hundred thousand, even a million reasons that you can come up with why you can't do this. But Jesus says, come, come. We need to go to that place. We need to camp at the source. Because it's at that place that we recover our lives. It's at that place we find rest. It's at that place that we remember who God is. It's at that place we hear his promises over us again. It's at that place that we remember who we are in him. The disciplines of study or Sabbath or simplicity or silence or solitude, 
They're just tools. They're not ends in themselves. They're just things which we can pick up that help us pitch our tent, that help us draw towards the presence of God in our lives. And so Jesus says, come. He says, come. He says, come. And I don't know where you're at today. And maybe there's a place of disobedience and and sin where actually you've gone down a road and you need to come back. Jesus says, come. And maybe you've been striving and there's lots of efforts and there's lots of activities and you're exhausted. Jesus says, come. And maybe you you know this stuff and these disciplines and, and, and it's what you really wanna do, but it just never works whenever you try to do it. Jesus says, come. And maybe you've heard the invitation of Jesus before to come, but you've never come. And I would say to you, today is your day. Come. And sometimes whenever, you know, there's a call to come, we think, oh, you've got to be really, you know, you've got to be at you know, death's door. You've got to be in a really bad situation to come. If you're hearing Jesus say, come to you, and you're saying, yes, I just want to come to that source. I just want to come and know you and hear your voice. Jesus says, come because there's no condemnation. There's no guilt, there's no shame. There's only love. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're gonna just sing along with the last song. And the prayer ministry team is gonna be here at the front and the back. And if you wanna say your yes to the come of Jesus today, then don't leave without coming. Come and have somebody pray with you because the very act of physically moving and proclaiming yes to Jesus and his come, something happens in that place. So come, come. I love you, Lord. Though your mercy never fails me And all my days have been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head And I will sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able And I will sing of the goodness of God And I love your voice you have led me through the fire, darkest night. You are close like no other. I 
known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful In all my life you have been so, so good every breath that I am in and I will sing of the goodness of God yes I will sing of the goodness of God Jesus we thank you we thank you that no matter what, your invitation is to come. So Holy Spirit, I pray upon us all right now. Lord, whatever is going on for us, Lord, may we know your song over us, which is a song of love and of acceptance and of belonging. Lord, would you seal your word to our hearts today so that whenever we go out from this place, that tomorrow and in the hard work that lies ahead in this week, in this month, in this year, would you help us to hear your still small voice in our lives? And would you help us to create those spaces and places where we can camp at the source? And so I would encourage you to linger in this moment. We will keep on worshipping here. If you need to go on, please do. We're coming. That's us brought to an end. Go get your kids. But don't rush away from this place. If you want someone to pray with you, please come either to the front or to the back. Or even if you just need to sit quietly and take this moment of solitude with your Lord, I would encourage you to do that. Lord, for your glory, we pray in your name. Amen.